Praise the Lord. Well, it's a real privilege uh, to be here. Amen. And uh, I'm not sure who's doing sound, but if, I don't need any monitors or anything like that. Amen. I, I'm not one of those preachers who preach in rhythm. Amen. And so uh, that, that helps me. First Corinthians chapter 7. I'm going to look there. It's a real honor uh, to preach uh, here in Prescott again. And, uh, um, you know, I got to tell you that I'm, I'm nervous every time I come here and preach. I, I get nervous, and particularly uh, on a marriage seminar, and uh, I really am uh, thankful for you that have come. I do want to encourage you to be here tonight and tomorrow. I do believe that I have the mind of God and that God does want to help us and that, you know, I, I hope you have a good time, uh, you know, taking this break, going out uh, to a hotel, dinner, and everything else that's involved, and have a great time. But I really hope that you have a heart to want to get helped, too, and have God do something in your marriage. And I believe God will help us. Amen. I believe I have to give my qualifications uh, for, to, to do this. Amen. And so the number one qualification is that I'm married. Amen. I've been married for 18 years, and I've been married to the same woman for 18 years. And, uh, and so that's a qualification right there. It doesn't matter. You can say, well, I've married 20 years, but if it's been four different wives, then, it, uh, you know, you've been married five years four times. And... Uh, and uh, and uh, I do uh, uh, counsel uh, lots of marriages, unfortunately, and uh, have married lots of people. And, uh, and so God will help us. I am presently teaching a marriage class in our church that I'm calling Scratching the Seven-Year Itch. And it's aimed at young couples. And uh, the, you have to have been married seven years or less to attend the class. And I'm dealing with things uh, that are kind of aimed at young marriages. I just out of curiosity, how many people here have been married seven years or less? Praise the Lord. Amen. I understand you have a rookie class here. Uh, a lot of couples that were, uh, I was going to say, saved in 1999, but married in 1999. And, uh, uh, and so it's really exciting to see because, you know, there's a cross-section of people here that have been married uh, for a long time. And then you have uh, 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 excited newlyweds that this is their very first marriage retreat. And so we have a bit of a cross-section. Amen. And so I want to uh, uh, begin in 1 Corinthians 7 tonight. And I want to preach on sex. And uh, uh, believe the Lord to help us. And, uh, and uh, I, you know, I, I, I think that Friday night should be the night to preach on it. There's no point of preaching on this tomorrow morning. And uh, <laughs> uh, tomorrow's when you preach on, uh, on kids. And, uh, <clears throat> and uh, I want to, uh, uh, you know, minister on this subject and uh, believe the Lord to help us. Praise the Lord. Amen. I was thinking of the story of a, a, a preacher who was uh, uh, going to preach on sex. <clears throat> and so he was going to preach on sex, and so he asked in the audience, how many people here have sex uh, once a week? And, uh, and a, a few hands went up, and then he said, how many have sex once a month? And uh, a few more hands went up. How many have sex once every three months? A few more, six months. How many people have sex once a year? And from the back of the building, this guy shot his hand up and began to wave it. He said, sir, you seem pretty excited for having sex only once a year. He goes, I am because tonight's the night. And so I know that uh, this might be nervous territory for some people here when you begin to talk about this, and you get really nervous, but I want to tell you, I'm going to preach on it with tact, 
But you need to hear this. If, if you're the one who gets really nervous and uptight and want to get up and leave right now, then this sermon is for you. Because God wants to help you. Consider the um, uh, letter to my loving wife. You know, I know this has been used many times. Many of you have heard it. But for the benefit of our freshman class here, I want to uh, read this letter that a man wrote to his wife. And it says this, To my loving wife, During the past year, I have tried to make love to you 365 times. I have succeeded only 36 times. This is an average of once every 10 days. The following is a list of why I did not succeed more often. And then he gives his list. Number one, it will take, it'll wake the children 27 times. It's too late 23 times. It's too hot 16 times. It's too cold five times. It's too early 15 times. Pretended to be asleep 46 times. Windows open, neighbors will hear, nine times. Backache, 26 times. Headache, 18 times. Toothache, 13 times. Giggles, six times. Not in the mood, 36 times. Too full, 10 times. Baby is crying, 17 times. Watch late TV show, 17 times. I watch late TV, uh, late TV show, 15 times. Mud pack, 11 times. <laughs> company in next bathroom, uh, bath uh, company in next room, 11 times. You had to go to the bathroom 19 times. Total, 329 times. During the 36 times I did succeed, the activity was not entirely satisfactory due to the following. <laughs> Six times you chewed gum during the whole time. <laughs> Seven times you watch TV the whole time. <laughs> Sixteen times you have told me to hurry up and get it over with. Six times I tried to wake you to tell you we were through. <laughs> Hold on, one more. One time, one time I was afraid I had hurt you for I felt you move. Honey, it's no wonder I'm so irritable, your loving husband. <laughs> I want to talk to you about sex from a biblical perspective. <clears throat> and you know, and oftentimes, you hear about sex in church, mainly we're preaching against fornication, or we're talking about the spirit of the world. But you know, you need to understand what the Bible says about sex uh, concerning your marriage. And I'm going to look at sex from three different sides tonight. And we're in 1 Corinthians 7, beginning in verse 1. The Apostle Paul says, Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Verse 5 says, Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Let's pray. Father, I ask tonight for the anointing of the Holy Spirit on your word 
Father, I'm asking for deliverance. God, there are men and women here tonight that are bound up sexually, marriages that are frustrated. Oh, God, let the Word of God, let the light of the Holy Ghost shine in hearts and bring deliverance in the precious name of Jesus. The first thing I want you to consider tonight is that sex is spiritual. This is the warning in our text, as the Apostle Paul says, uh, that they come together again, lest Satan tempt you. Now, I don't know how, uh, how y'all do it here, but over in San Antonio where we are, there's a metaphor that uh, couples often use uh, concerning sex. They'll say, we had revival last night. Uh, we were, you know, where were you? Well, we and my husband were having revival. And we laugh at that, and that might be a little inside joke, but you know, there is a measure of truth in that. And that is that I believe that when couples are involved and have a healthy sex life, uh, that there's something good there. The Apostle Paul says, come together. He's talking about sex. He says, come together. He says, because when you come together, you are keeping Satan out. That when you come together, Satan, who stands outside of every marriage, looking for an inroad, uh, is held back. There's a fence uh, that resists uh, when a couple has and cultivates a healthy sex life. That tells me that there's a spiritual dimension to sex. Now, I'm not talking about Prince, you know, and his uh, weird religion of sex. I'm not talking about that. I obviously know there's more to spiritual victory than having sex with your husband or your wife. You don't have to explain that to me. But I want you to understand something that often couples forget, and that is that when you are having sex and I'm functioning in a healthy sexual relationship, there is a dominion that God is working in you that reaches into the rest of your spiritual life. Now, the reason I have to say that is that many people treat sex as a work of the flesh. They treat sex as something that is carnal, that is nothing more than a carnal appetite, and they don't see any spiritual link or connection at all. Pope John Paul said this as if he would know. He said adultery, <laughs> ad hold on, it says adultery in your heart is committed not only when you look with excessive desires on a woman who is not your wife, but also when you look in the same manner at your wife. And so here's a man who doesn't know anything about sex, or he, he says he doesn't, but here's a man who is trying to say, well, you know, that the idea of a sexual attraction and longing in a marriage um, is a carnal thing. It is an unspiritual thing. It is simply a fleshly appetite, but I do not agree tonight. Paul says, come together, because when you come together, you keep Satan out. That there is a, a measure of spiritual victory that comes when couples contend for a healthy sex life. Amen. You know, this is interesting. It is my observation. And, uh, you know, I, I know I preached on women. I'm not a misogynist, uh, in case you're wondering. But it is interesting to me that oftentimes I've seen women who, in church that are very super spiritual uh, and will throw themselves entirely into the church, and yet they're sexually frustrated. They do not have a healthy, normal relationship with their husband. And what they try to do is compensate in all these other spiritual areas. But I have to tell them, listen, there's a spiritual dominion that you're going to get by contending for this in your marriage. We have the example in Genesis 26 of Isaac and Rebekah. Isaac does what his father does, and he turns Rebekah over to Abimelech, the Bible says. And she's placed in his harem. And as she's placed in his harem, the Bible says that one day Isaac and Rebekah are outside in the yard and the Bible says they were sporting. Now, how many know they weren't playing volleyball? <laughs> because when the, the Abimelech looks out the window and he sees Isaac and Rebekah sporting, he realizes this is not brother and sister. 
He sees that there is an intimacy. To what degree, I have no idea. All I know is that Abimelech saw that, uh, and this couple that had been separated, and this woman that had been placed into a harem, uh, was delivered uh, because they came together. It was that act that triggered something in Abimelech where he realized, you know, I, I can't get involved in this, uh, and it was their choice to come together that somehow broke a bondage. That's worth considering. Can you say amen? Not only that, think with me about this. If this is so, that is why Satan focuses his attack so much in the sexual arena. We have been living in and the results of the sexual revolution of the 60s and 70s. And I want to tell you that Satan understands the spiritual side of sex even if we don't. Venereal disease is the second most common communicable disease next to the common cold. We have hundreds of thousands that are dead because of AIDS. The United States health, uh, health uh, industry is going bankrupt taking care of these people. And the real damage is not even physical but spiritual. We won't even have time to get into it, but on your own time, read the curses of Leviticus 27 and see how many of them are associated with sex. Because there's a spiritual dimension to sex tonight that Satan understands. Um, and this is important tonight because many people are struggle spiritually and they can uh, relate their spiritual problems to their sexual history. It often damages sex in their marriage and their relationship with their husband and wife because Satan understands there's something about sex that, that is a spiritual issue and keeps him out and so he targets it. Let me talk to you tonight about some of the ways the devil targets people's sex life many times before they're saved and before uh, they get married and it begins to frustrate them after they're married. One is the mentality that sex is dirty. This is the overreaction to a permissive society. Many mothers drilled it into their daughters that sex is something to be ashamed of. Do you know that there are places where today the word that is used for sex is the word nasty? Do the nasty. You can listen to rock or a rap and you can listen to much of the urban uh, uh, street life and uh, these terminologies are used uh, and the idea there is that sex is something that is dirty, something that is ugly, something that is meant to promote feelings of guilt and there are people tonight uh, that, uh, you know, they get married uh, but they still carry into their marriage uh, these burdens uh, and this lie that sex is a shameful act uh, and it is something that you're just there to endure and not to enjoy. Listen to this testimony. This woman says this, I knew nothing about sex except that my mother disapproved of it. So I borrowed a medical book from a doctor just before I got married. I couldn't believe what I read. The idea that married couples would do such a thing was so hard to accept that I almost broke off the engagement. But I loved my fiance very much, so I went ahead with the wedding. I spent my honeymoon trying to avoid sexual contact. When we got back, I tried to talk to my mother about it. She couldn't conceal her disgust that her little girl was involved in something as terrible as sex. Then she assured me that most men did expect it, but it would never be any fun for me. For the first several years, I tolerated it and pretended to respond quickly so that we could get it over with as fast as possible. After the birth of our baby, I told my husband I did not ever want to have sex again. I still loved him, but not in that way. I hated the thought of sex. He tried to be kind and understanding with me, but the tension and resentment grew between us. The time came when he said it was all over unless I was willing to change. We had tried a counselor once before, and it was an upsetting experience. This time we went to a Christian counselor who began to, by showing me that the Bible, what the Bible teaches about sex and marriage. 
I understood enough at the first session to see how far my attitudes were from the truth and to realize that I could trust God to help, my, help me change. My husband and I just fell into each other's arms that night and cried and prayed and asked God to help us love each other sexually. It was the beginning of something good. I am learning what sexual fulfillment means, and my husband and I are so much closer. And so there are people, mainly women, that the devil has lied to you and assaulted this area by these ideas that, that sex is something that you're just going to endure and it's something that you ought to be ashamed of uh, and something you ought to feel guilty for. The second thing that I believe the devil does and often assaults this, the area of our sex life <coughs> when we're, when we're uh, married is he tries to tell us that sex is for sinners. Promiscuity has often robbed people of the joy of marital sex. People get involved sexually. They live a wild life. They're playboy and bunny. They live a life in sin, um, and they have numerous relationships. They give themselves to this, um, and because of the shame uh, of their past, uh, they come into their marriage, and they have a, 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 an attitude that wants to deny the sexual side of themselves because they associate that with the things they did as sinners. And so they come into the marriage now, and all of a sudden, uh, they, they don't want to give themselves totally to their mate. They don't want to ever really get into it, because in their mind, that is associated sex is for sinners. Soul ties. Joining of ourselves with people. And all of a sudden, because of all this stuff and all this uh, baggage in our past, the devil's lied to us uh, and said, if you go into your marriage now and try to have and cultivate this healthy, exciting sexual relationship that somehow you're, 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 you're who you were. This is your old nature. Amen. Somebody say amen. Help me out here. Amen. Y'all quiet like keg. Acts 10, the Bible says, call not what God has cleansed unclean. Call not what God has cleansed unclean. And yet people will be frustrated and when it comes to the sexual area, it's like they have to act Christian with their own spouse and hold back because they don't, they don't want to somehow they think that they're going to become this animal that they used to be. You rob yourself of the liberty of marriage and the passion of marriage because in your mind that was something that you did as a sinner. The third thing tonight is even more tragic and that is those that believe that sex is abusive. You know, sometimes people get married and they bring into their marriage a violation from their past. Sex to them was being molested or raped or abused. And the devil perpetrates this through demonized people on somebody and then they come into a marriage and before they're married, I've heard the story over and over again. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to read all the manuals, pray about it, and on and on and on. And then you get married, and all of a sudden, uh, the moment that uh, intimacy begins, uh, all the old issues come rushing in. And the devil has sown something into you. And unfortunately, your association with sex is abuse. And the very thing that God intended to be a blessing in your life has been robbed from you and your spouse. And you don't have the blessing of God. But you know what, church? There's hope for the Christian tonight. 
See, I believe God wants your marriage to experience blessing in the intimate relationship. I believe if the devil targets this, then God wants to help us here. Let me make a statement to you tonight. Your sexual problem is not a hang-up, it's a bondage. Let me say that again. Your sexual problem is not a hang-up. You know what happens to people? Is that these, because of the things that I mentioned, or maybe others that I didn't mention, and your whole attitude is that this is just a hang-up. Well, you know, I, you know you're, you're not into uh, rock and roll, I'm not into sex. You know, and, uh, and they just kind of pass it off, you know, and, and, and they get really uncomfortable, and in their mind, this is just a hang-up. I want to tell you, it's not a hang-up, it's a bondage that Satan wants to maintain because the couple that doesn't come together, he has access to. See, God can deliver you tonight. God can deliver you. I believe that uh, the reason I'm preaching this is that in a little while, we have an altar call. Husbands and wives can come down and say, God, we want to be delivered because Satan is involved in this right here. We want to be set free. Amen. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13. My second point tonight is not only is sex spiritual, but sex is honorable. Hebrews 13, verse 4. You guys are so quiet. Praise the Lord. Hebrews 13, 4. The Bible says, Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. Sex is honorable. We need to elevate the marriage relationship tonight. The Scripture says that it is something that is honorable. That means to be esteemed worthy or precious. The reason why you all are having this retreat this weekend is because you're trying to elevate marriage. You're trying to elevate this relationship above the casual. And we're reminding ourselves, you know what? This is important. The Bible says the bed is free from dishonor. And I believe it's important that you and I treat sex in our marriage as something of great value and something special. Now think with me for a minute about this because we are living in a sex-saturated society. And because there's so much sex that is uh, confronting us through the media, through the billboards, on the radio, and everywhere you go, there's sex, sex, sex. Uh, and because of that, what has happened uh, is sex has become something common in our society and it's lost its value. You know what happens in a South American country? I know it happens in a lot of countries, but in South America it seems to happen all the time when a, <coughs> when a president thinks, you know what I can do, I'll just print more money and we'll have more money. And so they'll get their printing press out and they'll print a bunch of money. But the more money that's out there, the less that money's worth. That's why you could go down to, uh, uh, to uh, Argentina and, uh, you know, I was there. You know, you could uh, uh, have a 10,000 uh, Australian note because they print more money. And the more that's out there, the less it's worth. I want to tell you that's true. There's been an inflation when it comes to sex. Because there's so much out there, because it's so commonplace, and everybody's talking about it, and you turn on the radio, and it's nothing but sexual innuendo. You turn into, you walk through the malls, and, and it's there, and everywhere you go, and it's sex, sex, sex. You know what it's done? Is it's cheap in sex. 
it's cheapened it. It's made it something of no value. Uh, and it, what happens is people become more perverted. They become more bizarre. They become more kinky uh, because it has become so common. And if we're not careful, that begins to reach into our own marriages, into our own relationships. Uh, and all of a sudden, this thing uh, that, as the Bible says, is honorable uh, in our own marriages can become something common. Sex tonight is important. And do not let the world's preoccupation with sex make it something commonplace to you. The problem in any marriages tonight is they don't think it's that big a deal. Sex is an indulgence. Sex is like having cheesecake after dinner. Sex is just a dessert. Do you want some cheesecake? No, honey, not tonight. I'm full. Okay. And people begin to diminish it. The Bible says God created male and female. Told them to be fruitful and multiply. And the Bible says God saw that it was very good. That's his commentary. Many couples tonight suffer with it's not that big a deal approach. <coughs> Amen. Some wives have the just enough to keep them faithful mentality. You know. They, 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 they call that, they call that romancing the stone. And so what happens, uh, you know, if I could speak to the women just for a moment is, is 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 it's just one of those roll the eye kind of things, one of those man things, you know. You know the uh, uh, you know that kind of thing. You know men need it. You know and you know do your duty, do your obligation. You know like you're, you know, like you're going to give blood at the Red Cross or something like that. <laughs> and it's not important. And then of course the man is you know he he does. He, he demonstrates his lack of importance by making no effort at all to cultivate this. You know what I mean? It's not like, you know, he calls her in the middle of the day, hey, I just, babe, I just wanted off thinking about you, you know? It'd be a good idea, you know? But they don't do that. And, and, uh, and uh, you know, they don't send flowers on a head, you know? They don't write a nice card, you know? And, uh, and you know, none of the, nothing. Uh, usually they come home and they say nothing. They sit at, the, you know, the table... And eat, you know, look straight ahead and uh, go out and uh, overhaul the transmission and, uh, and uh, you know, get in, don't even take a bath, jump in the bed, uh, lights go out and then, you know, and, uh, and uh, you know, reaches over and, uh, and, and, and so this casual approach to sex is a real problem because people don't treat it like a big deal. They don't, they don't take time for it. They don't elevate it and treat it as something that is to be held up with honor. Take time for sex. You know, they did a study and asked couples why they don't have sex more often, and the number one reason was there's just not enough time. We're so busy, man, with this and that, that we're just burnt out, we're just tired, and uh, we just kind of mutually agree not to really do this. The man always says, well, she's too tired. The woman always says, he's too fast. The old saying is women are like iron. It takes them a while to warm up. Men are like light switches. You just, you know. <laughs> Let me tell you something about a good, healthy sexual relationship will not happen by accident. 
You know that? A healthy, you know, don't believe the movies. Don't believe the, you know, the images, the media tries to pawn off on people. Maybe when you were growing up and the, the music's playing and all of a sudden everything is just this dynamic, choreographed. You know what? It's not like that. You know the old saying that uh, 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 Niagara Falls is only the second biggest disappointment on the average honeymoon. You know, it's, 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 it's not just something that happens. Some of you are thinking about that right now. It doesn't have all those dynamics. You know, you hate to say it, but you're going to have to work at this. You know, you know, the media, they don't work, work, this is sex. You don't work at sex. You're going to have a healthy sex life, but you're going to have to work at it. That means you're going to have to make it a priority, and you're going to have to agree that, you know, we're going to believe God they help us here. That means that we're going to take time for each other. That means that we're going to have to make plans. You say, well, that's so unromantic. Well, you planned your honeymoon. You know, you have to take time. That's why you're here I mean, I'm not saying that's why you're here, but that's why you're here. And, uh, and uh, you know, that you're saying, hey, you know, we're going to take time and we're going to plan our relationship. And, you know, that you're not, it's not going to happen just by accident. It's not all of a sudden going to happen. You know, these people that have, you know, have Viagra and all, oh, it's going to liberate and set free. I want to tell you that the problem, by and large, is spiritually emotional. It's not a, a chemical or physical. One couple told me that they were having some problems. And they said, you know, one thing we noticed is that the desk where we kept all our bills was in our bedroom. And, you know, we were having some financial problems. And we said, you know what, move that desk into the living room, you know. And they, they you know, things happen, turn the thing around. Whatever works, man, you know. <laughs> but you're going to have to come to grips with this together and say, you know what, we're going to have to take this area of our relationship now and place it up here and put a priority on it, whether that's taking time, whether that's making plans to get away, whether that's having babysitters, whether it's simply taking your wife out on a date, doing something to say that this part of our marriage is important to us. You know, the problem, a lot of couples, they just don't talk about it. You talked about it for a little while and one of you got very uncomfortable and the other one picked up the bags. Now you guys don't talk about it. It's just one of those uh, unspoken things in your marriage but if you're honest tonight your marriage is not held in a place of honor I mean, I'm sorry your sex life is not held in a place of honor it's not important the way it ought to become important the way you set priority and you make plans and this is an issue and you want this to be right praise the Lord alright turn to Proverbs chapter 5 we're going to look at one other thing tonight, <clears throat> and then I'll uh, finish. Proverbs 5, sex is spiritual, sex is honorable. One last thing I want you to see tonight, and that is sex is a celebration. Sex is a celebration. Verse 15. The Bible says this, Proverbs 5, let me see here. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> okay, hold on a second. Proverbs 5, 
We're looking there in the Word of God. All right. The Bible says this. Drink water from your own cistern. And uh, running water from your own well. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be only your own and not as for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth as a loving deer and a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. But why should you, my son, be enraptured by an immoral woman and be embraced in the arms of a seductress? Now here's wisdom for young men. And he's warning them about the immoral woman. And this is something that you find all through the book of Proverbs. That the immoral woman, the whore, lurks to ruin the man's life. And the best answer to sex attacks is found in verse 18. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. It says it right there. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. That means to be glad. It means to be smiling. That's why some of you guys are smiling right now. And uh, cheerful. Sex was not part of the fall. Sex was not a curse that God put on Eve because she ate the fruit. Sex was something <laughs> that was meant to be enjoyable and a celebration. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? Some of you don't believe that tonight. You were meant to have a good time. What it's saying is, remember, this is intended as a source of joy. Think about the word he's using. Rejoice, verse 19. Satisfy. Be thou ravished with her love. These are pretty strong words. And so we can take these words, and he's describing something that ought to be in a, in a, in a married couple's sexual relationship. Rejoicing. Satisfaction. A ravishing experience. You should not approach sex like you're going into a three-day fast. This isn't just some duty, some obligation that you have to submit yourself to. He's saying, no, no, no. <laughs> he says, listen, out in the world, man, there's all these hoochie mamas. There's all this, all these skanks, man, all this perversion and sin uh, that's out there, man. You know it's out there. It's there, fellas. You know all about it. Uh, there are women here. You, you eat your nails, the paranoid, because of the way women don't dress anymore. And yet here the proverb says you ought to be able to go home, kick open your door, uh, and say, praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Yes. Glory. Yes. Glory to God. This is what God intended. Yes, He intended me to rejoice, to be satisfied, and to be ravished. That I can find this physical need and find this wonderful intimacy in my marriage. That was what God intended. He says, look, enjoy this. Let this be a celebration. How sad tonight that all the junk is out there. People will feed in a little peep show, a little pornography. Feed on the garbage that fills their mind. And they go home and they have these frustrated marriages and there's no sexual dynamic and because of bad experiences uh, both our partners are afraid to even go into that arena now and you're settling man on the on the junk and all the stuff in the streets instead of what you could have had streams of water in the streets 
Instead of the channeling of that cistern and enjoying all that's there, it's being spilled in the streets. Uh, and tragically, what a description of so many marriages and so many people who uh, they'll just take this little measure of some cheap thrill that they got out of the world uh, and then in their marriages it's all fouled up and God is saying, ravish, satisfaction, rejoicing. Have a good time. Instead, it's all frustrated. And so there we are out the streets. Amen. Sex is a celebration. You want your sex life to be a celebration? Let me ask you a question real quick here. Do you pray for it? I mean, obviously you don't pray real loud in prayer meeting. God, I pray by sex. You cause my, you know, I, I, okay, I, that's cool. I, you're not going to slip this into a prayer request to be read, you know. I'm talking about when you go into your prayer closet and you have your personal time of prayer, do you say, God, I want to break through here. Outstanding book, by the way, called The Power of a Praying Wife. I don't know if y'all have that over here. The Power of a Praying Wife by Stormy Amartian. Got to pick it up. Hey, bro, let me give you an idea. Buy your wife that for Valentine's. Amen. And in that, this woman talks about just her own marriage and how God had to teach her to pray and and it deals with this very arena in one of the chapters about the sexual arena. Listen, this is something you ought to pray about. Because God intended, intended it to be a celebration, intended to be his answer for the world's garbage. You're going to have this four things I want to touch on. Number one, you need to understand that sex is about mutual pleasure. I am not going to open it up for questions tonight. <laughs> I'm not interested. And... Uh, <coughs> you know, people, you know, they want, well, what's acceptable? Can you, you know, listen, man, I don't want to get into that with you, all right? <laughs> all I will say is that sex is a mutual giving of yourself to the per your, your partner. It's not about you. It's not about getting satisfaction for yourself. It's about you wanting to give yourself to your mate, uh, amen. Sex is not about you uh, uh, trying to uh, create some, uh, something that you saw somewhere. God deliver you from that. And causing the person you're married to to feel cheapened and to feel uncomfortable and to feel bad. It's not about that. It's about you wanting to be a blessing. The Bible says the husband's body belongs to the wife. The wife's body belongs to the husband. Not only is that it, not only is it for mutual pleasure, but it should be exclusive. Verse 17 says, let it be thine own and not for strangers with you. You know what that means? It means that sex is meant for between a husband and a wife. And that's it. Sex is the one thing that you and your spouse share with each other that you share with not another living soul on planet Earth. I'm sorry that I would have to say it, but when you, you know, couples that... That, you know, in order for them to become aroused, they've got to, you know, watch some dirty video. Or they've got to uh, pull in toys, and they've got to, uh, you know, entertain fans. You know what? That's not, the Bible says, let it be your own. Don't let it, don't, you don't share this with strangers. This is between you two. It is something that is personal, and it belongs to you and to you only. Do not share it with strangers. Number three, remember this. If you're going to celebrate sex in your marriage, you're not competing against anybody. 
you know, these people, you know, they read a manual or they read some, you know, the latest statistics. The average couple uh, has sex, you know, uh, 20 times a week, you know, and they read that like, oh, man, you know, drag. I'm still behind, you know, and, uh, and, and the wife is saying, oh, man, you know. You're not in a competition. You're not trying to reach some average somewhere. You're not trying to meet some ratio. You know, who are these people they interview about this stuff anyway? I don't know, would you fill out one of these questionnaires? You got a phone call? Yeah, could you tell us about your sex life? It's totally, you know, hang up the phone. It's not a competition. You're, you know, don't have, uh, you know, people get involved and they mean, you know, there's these performance anxieties. This isn't the Olympics. This isn't gymnastics. You know, I'm not going to hold up a 9.9. You know what I mean? It's so, it's so sad that the, the world and all this junk is all of a sudden, you know, you know, are you sexually satisfied? Did you both mutually arrive, you know, at Mount Everest together and on and on and on? And, uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, and you read these things and all of a sudden people read this stuff and it's like, man, there's something not right. You know, get, get that stuff out of the way. You're not competing against anybody. You're not measuring this. Number four. Rediscover the person you're married to. <clears throat> now, this is funny to me because I'm preaching to people here who've been married a long, long time and you got these young couples. But you know, let me tell you something. There was a time where the idea of spending the night with that person was the most exciting thing in the world to you. There was a time when the thought of getting to go to bed together was a very thrilling concept. But you know, over time, if you're not careful, you forget that. Years and years go by in a marriage, and you forget that there was a time in your life when the thrill of having an intimate physical relationship with that person was why you got married. Now, I know marriage is more than sex. If you want to bring the celebration back in your sex life, just stop one day and think, you know what? I got her. That was the girl that I pursued. That's the girl I chased. And now she belongs to me. Now she's mine. There's a song that was written back in the 1980s. I'm not going to sing it to you. But in this song, the song is called Lady in Red. And, uh, and I never really thought about the words. You know, you hear the song every once in a while until somebody sat down and explained them to me one day, and I went back and I wrote down the lyrics. And what the song is about, it's about a guy who has uh, gone to a dance with his wife. They've been married for a number of years, and what's happened is he's just taken his wife for granted. It's his wife, you know. And, and uh, time has gone by, and so he's sitting at this dance, and his wife is kind of walking across the dance floor and just circulating and socializing. And the song is about how this guy just looks at his wife and says, man, you know what? She's beautiful. And it's like for a moment there, he's kind of taken back to when they were first getting along. And he realizes, you know, that he's taken a grant for granted this woman. And he writes these words. He says, I've never seen so many men ask you if you wanted to dance. Looking for a little romance, if you would give them half a chance. 
I have never seen that dress you're wearing or the highlight in your eye in your hair. They catch your eyes. I have been blind. Lady in red is dancing with me. There's nobody here, just you and me. It's where I want to be. I hardly know this beauty by my side. I'll never forget the way you look tonight. I've never seen you look so gorgeous like you do tonight. I've never seen you shine so bright. You are amazing. People seen so many people want to be there by your side. And then you turned to me and smiled, and you took my breath away. I have never had such a feeling, such a feeling of complete and utter love as I do tonight. You know, and I thought about that, you know, what a wonderful thing if that could happen again in somebody's marriage. That all of a sudden they would just look at the person that they... celebrate with my wife or my husband. Let's bow our heads. We're before God tonight. I'm contending for something in our, in our meeting tonight and in the second seminar particularly. <coughs> God wants to help us. I want to ask first of all, perhaps that you're uh, here tonight and you came to this retreat, but you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It came maybe to bolster your marriage, but I want to tell you it takes three to make a marriage, a man, a woman, and Jesus Christ. God at the very center of your marriage. He loves you. Jesus Christ died for you. You might think, well, you know, my husband's a problem. My wife's a problem. I'll tell you, if you'll personally surrender to Jesus Christ, come to him as a sinner. Repent. Jesus can change you. And if he could change you, he could change your marriage. And is there anybody here while our heads are bowed that that would say, Pastor, I'm not right with God tonight. I want to give my life to Jesus. If that's you, would you lift your hand all around this room real quickly? Would you respond all around this room? Anybody at all? You're not saved. You're not right with God. <clears throat> all right. I want to then just speak to married couples here tonight and believe God. I know this is, you know, for couples here that God has blessed you and helped you. Praise the Lord. I'm so glad for you. But you know, I pastored long enough to know that there are couples that are sexually frustrated. It is a very private, very personal anguish of their soul. They don't want to talk about it. They don't know who to talk to. God wants to help you. He wants to do something in your marriage. He wants to visit you again. It's spiritual. Listen, it. Satan exploits the sexless marriage. That is why he's so much junk goes your way and happened to you all because he can exploit the sexless marriage. Friend, it's something that's honorable, it's important to be held up and cherished in a world that's cheapened it. God's called you and I to elevate it and say, you know what, this still matters to us. This is still something special. It's a celebration. Man, satisfaction, ravishing, rejoicing. Don't spill it in the streets. God intended to have so much more. There was a time where the thought of being with that man or that woman was so exciting to you. But now it's gone. And I believe God wants to help us tonight in this retreat. He wants to bring a breakthrough. 
various degrees, but there are couples here. I mean, you need a deliverance. You need more than just some advice. You need God to break through in your marriage. I believe He'll help you. I want to, in a moment, we're going to pray a prayer of deliverance. But I believe the Spirit of God is speaking to couples about various issues tonight. He wants to visit. He wants to help us this evening. He wants to give a breakthrough. Amen. And we're going to open these altars. I want you to stand with me. Stand with me all around this room tonight. Lay aside embarrassment, anything else, and come before God as a married couple. I want to invite you to come. Find a place to pray and lay hold of God. Amen. At this altar. And uh, we're going to just begin to just pray and lay hold of God for a while. Give God a chance to move and have His way in people's lives. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's begin to just pray out. Father, I ask Your presence and power. These altars...